Perfect. Let's grab a sip of water and cut this out too. <laughs> <laughs> but the, we, we probably, I mean, I'm not sure if Mario's thinking about using the video as well afterwards, so we can like cut up and create clips, but um, yeah, right we'll, we'll see where it goes. But um, yeah, just want to say, firstly, thank you, Tiffany, for being a guest on Business Insights, Mario and Matt. Mario and Matt, it is a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for the invite. I say Mario and Matt, yeah, it's, it's only me. I'm yeah. <laughs> only me today. But He's here Tiffany, in spirit. Yeah, he, he, he definitely is. He definitely is. He's um, unfortunately with his son in hospital. So, yeah, I hope, he's, hope his son's doing well. He um, yeah, had, a, had a rude shock. But um, anyways, this is about you, Tiffany. This is about you. Can I just say... I, I, I've gone to your website. Interesting, interesting. Like, like, I love your concept of rolling with the punches. We can talk about that a lot. Though the first thing I want to ask, and it's the first sentence I think you have on there, fueled by the unexpected. Where does that... <laughs> I bring this up because fueled by the unexpected is such a unknown thing for people. The unknown, the unexpected is usually scary. It's, you know, it's uncertain. Like what's going to come about? Why are you fueled by it? It's so funny and it's it's so prevalent now in my, in my current situation, like after the pandemic and the uncertainty of what happened and everyone went through it. But I don't know, I guess I'd adopted this mindset over the years and you know when you when you want to change mindset and you want to and you want to empower yourself and you want to you have beliefs but you want to actually live in line with them. So you spend a lot of well, I did. I spent a lot of time working on my mindset and really getting to know it and being mindful of how I thought and how I spoke and what I wanted out of life. And like I just find that when I have an intention and I know where I want to go, but then I just let go and I do some work. It always lands in my lap, but it's never via the path I expect. Mm. So one of the first questions when I started this podcast and I was on somebody else's podcast and at the very end of the interview, he said, if everything goes well on planet TIFF in five years, where do you want to be? And I was thinking about it and I just was like, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to. I don't want to have firm goals like that because I know right now that I'm going where I want to go. I know that I'm on the path and I'm doing what I love. But if I put the blinkers on and make something up that doesn't yet exist in my mind, I'm not going to see the opportunities. That's Damn. massive. That's Because <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, before in March 2020, before the pandemic hit, I'd never been on a podcast and it was never on my agenda to start one. It was never gonna happen. I had gyms, I'd bought gyms and I was waiting for them to become profitable so that we could stop slogging our guts out and pumping money into them. Mm. And on the first month that that looked like it might become a reality, that we might start tipping the scales in the other direction, that was the month that we got shut down. So my gyms got shut down, this this big thing that I'd invested you know, all my money into and then I was paying the bills by working in fitness. And I was like, oh, right, radio. Now yeah, so <laughs> I mean, I mean, everything came to like a somewhat of a grinding halt, right? Mm. And so you were, I mean, so you're a personal trainer and you're, you said, like, how would you frame it? I, I don't know how to like label you, if I'm honest. <laughs> I don't like labeling people either. <laughs> I don't know how to label me. Oh, very quickly after I, all right, so I'll tell you the snapshot of, shall I talk about kind of that transition in, in the gyms getting shut down and then what happened next? Yeah, let's start with that. Yeah, because then, then it can, makes more sense to figure out what the hell I am. Maybe I'll figure it out while I'm talking about it. <laughs> we um, all do, right? It all comes in the, in the beauty of the unknown, like you said. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So when I went into business, it was 2018 and I'd never bought into a business and there were three three business partners that approached me and said, we're going to do this. We need a female and we need someone with some boxing expertise because we don't have it. Do you want to be a part of it? And I was like, hell yeah, I could learn about business from these people. I could, I could you know, this is next level for me. I go from running my own show to running businesses from with people that have run business before. So I was like, I believe that there's something I can learn here. 
it was equally terrifying because these are people who it wasn't their entire life they were putting into this. This was a side gig and for me it was I'm going to put everything I've ever worked so hard to create and I'm going to put it, bank it on this thing and if this thing doesn't work, I'm at ground zero with no support. So if that happens, which is, I mean, it's a reality, if that happens, will I learn enough or change enough to be okay with that scenario because I have to be okay with it if it happens because it could because it could happen because everyone tells you not to go into business with people right <laughs> mm. so I'd answered that question and it was like a resounding yes it was like oh, it'll either be so painful but I'll change the way I do things which will result in a whole new direction or it'll or you know something positive will come for it so when the pandemic hit and this shut us down I remember sitting in my little courtyard in Elwood in the sunshine thinking ah. Oh, okay, I've got no right to complain because I've answered this question and it didn't look like what I thought it did, but I've answered the question, so there's no use crying about it. Mm. And everything that was within my control was was way bigger than me uh, or way smaller, way, way smaller than what was going to matter. So I kind of, my first approach was I'll give myself a holiday. It's the sun is shining. I'm just going to pretend that I'm in Thailand. I used to run retreats in Thailand, fitness retreats. So I thought I'm going to pretend that this sun lounge in my in my front yard is Thailand by the pool. And I remember closing my eyes and just being, you know, I've never given myself the gift of time off and a holiday. So I kind of did that for a couple of weeks. And as you know, in Melbourne, a couple of weeks was not a couple of weeks. No, it wasn't a couple of Two years, we're nearly two years down the track, and we're kind of just emerging from another lockdown again. Um, but from that place of kind of just being present in a moment and realizing that anything I had the control over was not going to be big enough to change the overall outcome. If COVID was going to take my house and smash my business, COVID was going to take my house and smash my business. And that was, it didn't matter how many tiny little things I ran around doing to scrape in the dollars. It was going to be way bigger than that and that was a blessing for me because in the process of this my mind shifted well i started the podcasting as a hobby but when i started when it started getting traction and being amazing my focuses weren't material my the whole reason i started it was i have an opportunity to network at a higher level and build relationships which has always been really important to me and I have always enjoyed speaking and presenting. And I thought, well, here's a chance to get in a different environment and run conversations and allow other people to listen. And far out, it was it was incredible. But it took no time at all before I'd identified myself as a podcaster, which is quite funny because for, for quite a long time, you know, I've got, I was very lucky in, in having sponsors from the second month, but in terms of the time it takes to record and produce and have a show and do the branding and build everything and, and then the income that was coming in, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say I'm a pod, I'm a podcaster for a living, but I did. Mm. I was like, this is, this is me. I'm a podcaster and this is what I do. And I love it. Mm. Okay. Okay. So did that identity as a trainer? start to like fade away as you now really immerse yourself within podcasting? I think that the, I think what's interesting, the whole identity thing, I think that in that moment where I know I'd come to this moment a few times over the years as well, it wasn't just a now thing, but at that moment where you go, ah, like I think I'm a personal trainer, but not I'm a, I'm a human being scooting around this earth just doing doing a particular thing that I love it's like I don't ha it's realizing that I don't ha have to be Tiff the personal trainer I don't have to be Tiff the boxer I don't even have to be Tiff that lives in Melbourne like I started to realize what a tiny little speck I was and how we identify was this I mean we cage ourselves in like you Tiff the boxer that's what you do it's like well no because 10 years ago I was Tiff that worked in corporate and I'd never knew how to throw a punch and like there's been so many editions of TIFF over the years when you look back you go and that's when I do I look back and go I never saw this like if people that knew me 20 years ago 
well, A, if they knew that I'd hopped in the boxing ring and then become a boxing coach, they would be like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> and again, now running, you know, podcasts and interviews and, and doing the stuff that I do now, people would be like, what? <laughs> you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the whole premise of, of, of the podcast, right? Roll with the punches. What does that, what does that mean to you, though? Oh, right. So I remember naming it. I, so here's where the, where the idea was born. I was fortunate enough. I'll tell you some little stories in between. So mm. a couple of weeks before this, the pandemic, it might have been a month or two, I can't remember, but I remember going for breakfast with one of my really good friends. She's a nutritionist and she works for the SES part-time. And she said to me, you should f- try and find a gig like I have that's like three days a week doing exactly what you love, creating events, creating workshops, doing presenting, but it's guaranteed, and then still having the flexibility to go out and do your own stuff. And I was like, what a great idea. And I went home, of course, on Seek, and I was like, what what is this thing? Who has these people? Like, give Mm. me one. (laughs) And obviously I couldn't come up with anything, but I'd taken action on it. And then a couple of weeks later, or months or whatever it was, COVID hit. And I was in a closed Facebook group with the Victorian paramedics because I'd done some boot camps with them previously. And one of the paramedics, Rain Histon, beautiful shout out to Rain, she's amazing. She had written in that group a message of support to the single paramedics who were at home and, you know, had to be in lockdown. And I just commented on her post and said, you're such an angel. She's just such a caring, loving person that always thinks of everyone else. And so all I did was comment on that. She rings me up. She goes, I've got an idea. I want you to, I want you to uh, put together a proposal and put it to Ambulance Victoria to run an online wellness hub while we're in lockdown and I'll get the funding. So she did that and she created me this, this position that I'd literally, that didn't exist before, that, I, that was complete fit to what I'd previously said. Oh, that'd be great. Mm. So within that wellness hub, I started doing a feel good Friday session, which is a Friday afternoon where at first it was the, the initial idea was we'll just hang out and have a glass of wine or a cup of tea and have, and we'll connect and it'll just be chilling out. And within a couple of weeks, I started bringing on speakers and then the speakers got better and better. And then I pulled some, I set up like a six week schedule to advertise them and some of the speakers, I was like, man, there are thousands and thousands of dollars worth of speakers lined up. Mm. And so I realized that I had an amazing network and then I realized that I could leverage off my involvement with the paramedics by inviting people in to speak to them and getting to know me. So that started to plant that seed of a podcast. And then when we came out of lockdown, I I asked one of the guests to come to my gym. I borrowed some microphones. I said, will you play with trying to, you know, like recording a live one for me? And on the, I remember driving there along Beach Road and I thought of the name Roll With The Punches. And I was like, what a great name. Uh, Because obviously boxing gym and, you know, it was all about adversity. How are we getting through adversity? What can we learn from people who have been through it? How can we get better at it? you know, just, just hearing stories and sharing great knowledge. Mm. And it went from figuring out how to do that to I took a great selfie with the ring lights and the microphones and I got all excited. I was like, this looks like a real podcast. This looks real. <laughs> so before I even knew how to put it all together, I'd put a post up on my socials saying to everybody, roll with the punches is coming. Like, I've got a podcast and I was like, oh, now I've got to figure this out. Wow. So you, you, you confirmed it to everyone that this is, this is a thing, but with the punch is it's, it's not just an idea. It's yeah. no, this is a platform now. Yeah. I was like, I've just recorded my first episode, keep your eyes peeled. And then I'm like, all right, how do I get the sound off the little black zoom box that I've just hit record on? And how do I make it go into whatever makes people press on Apple iTunes and play? Like I was, I had no idea. And honestly, I don't know how Matt, I figured that out because I'm not (laughs) IT savvy. (laughs) Do you think it's, so you're a boxer, right? And, (laughs) And, and so for how long were you boxing? So I boxed, 
they had a few stints. So I had my first bout in 2013, 12 or 13, I can't remember. Might have been the end of 2012. Okay, and I okay. Had, and I fought actively for maybe four years. Uh, and then I had a three-year break where I was, I'd started PT and teaching boxing and I had an injury. So I had three years where I didn't actually compete and then I went back and competed in 2019. Mm. And so the reason I bring this up, the way I see boxing, boxing is a sport where it's all intuitive. You need to be on your toes, you need to be aware, but you can't just think of a plan in your mind because it's not going to always go like that. You need to be spontaneous. Mm -hmm. Well, with the punches, right? You need you need, you need to like have that. Do you feel like the boxing was a, 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 a blessing? Oh, mate, at, the, at the time to set you up. Yeah, it changed my life on it, and in stages, it changed my life on in ways I hadn't seen coming. So the first two years, my competitions were uh, black tie, white collar. Mm -hmm. like, what's the term white collar so they were business you know you kind of business people we go in and we do a professional fight and then we hang out at the gym and we train like normal after a couple of years of those I decided yeah I'm going to fight in the amateurs so I went and got myself a coach and did it for real and that was amazing like that first fight so it was a 12-week challenge before that I'd never really done I'd definitely never hit anyone I'd never done proper boxing I'd done a few you know PCYC fit box sessions which Mm. I probably wasn't even that great at those. <laughs> but we did this 12 weeks of training and we probably only, for that particular event, we probably I think we only sparred two times before the night and it was a huge event. It was televised on Foxtel. It was, there were hundreds and hundreds of people at this black tie event. Uh, so all the bells and whistles, you're a professional fighter and it was full on and I remember, I remember the morning of the fight I, went, I got to sleep because I obviously got anxiety just the day before. I got to sleep mm. at 6 a.m. I had to get up at 7 to pick my mum up from the airport. So I was on an hour's sleep and yeah. I had this level of fight or flight, this adrenaline pulsing through my veins. I couldn't even socialise with my mother all day. I, I, look, I was just so incredibly well. I was like, what is going on? And I remember saying... There is nothing in the world that could be worth the way I feel. I'll never do anything like this again, ever. And I meant it. And then like the the day just sweeps you up. Like I remember it's like I remember sitting at lunch with mum. I remember sitting at the table watching my best mate in fight number one and she won the fight, which was great. So we're like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yes, we're, yep, that's it. I'm going to win too. And then they hand her the microphone in front of these hundreds of people and TV camera and I'm like, no, I don't want to, I, what am I going to, no. So I didn't want to win because I could not speak in front of people. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> and then I've yeah. got someone tapping on my shoulder going, mate, your your opponent's out there warming up. And, and then, you know, like it was just this big rush and put your gloves on and then you, you're strolling out and then the fight's over and my hand was in the air and you could not get that microphone out of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> it was just incredible. But over the next couple of years, and I focused, you know, I was just kind of become obsessed with it, obsessed and curious as to why I stuck. It was the first thing I ever stuck at that mm. I didn't feel, despite having the wins, I didn't feel naturally good at it. I didn't feel, I felt like I used to be someone who only did what I knew I was going to win. So this was the first thing that I was doing that was a real challenge and I was proving something to myself. But I felt a pull that I didn't, that made me very curious. So there's two kind of, I talk on two sides of the boxing experience. And one was how I had all this focus on it and kind of, you know, parked everything that was happening in my professional life, work and everything. I did enough to keep it going. But funnily enough, when I looked back after a couple of years, the way that I changed as a person throughout the, the boxing physical and mental training had changed me in business and evolved me quite a bit. So I went from you know, just a disengaged employee going along doing your job to a really engaged employee to a really driven to a business owner. And I was like, oh, isn't that, isn't that fascinating? So I started seeing these metaphors of my life from what I understood inside the ring and seeing it play out outside the ring. Mm -hmm. 
the other the other thing that became really well no didn't become apparent at first but I I started having some emotional breakdowns I, fi- I started finding myself uh, on top of just wondering what was going on with me wanting to step back in this place of discomfort all the time like and people saying aren't you scared of a punch in the face and I was like no not really why is everyone scared of a punch in the face like I just didn't get it like mm-hmm. I didn't the punches didn't scare me. The, the what did they do? To, what did they do for you? If they didn't scare you, what did they do? I didn't feel them, and I'll talk more on like I'll talk more on that a little bit later. But I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was just like I don't I don't feel the punches. Obviously, you get quite anxious in there, but then you're in there and you're doing your thing, and then you come back, and then you're like, wow, look what happened, and you look back on it, and. I'm like, oh, look what I did. I didn't even know I was doing that. You know, like there was, it was just such a, such an amazing thing to trust in yourself and then, and then see yourself come out on top. Uh, but I started questioning these traits that I had. I started, so I started questioning why aren't I scared of them? And I think I'm so independent and strong and all of these things I'd thought were just great things about me. And I, and I started bringing up memories of child when I was a child. So when I was a child, I was sexually abused for quite a few years. And I'd packed that up into a little metaphoric box in my mind and I'd put it in the back and I never, ever acknowledged it. And I started this memories, these thoughts started coming up and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Why is this, why is this in my awareness right now? Why am I thinking about this? And so there was this period and then I had a friend who was a clinical psychologist and I said to her kind of hypothetically once, you know, if a child went through this and like, would they be all right when they're an adult? And not realizing that I was talking about me, she's like, ah, absolutely not. They haven't dealt with anything. And I was like, oh, so I started kind of looking into the repercussions if, if a child went through that and marrying them up with my personality traits and realizing that strength and independence was actually, uh, well, the not feeling of the punches was dissociation. So I was dissociated. Mm-hmm. I was I couldn't feel emotion in the moment. So what a great strength to take into the boxing ring. The inability to emotionally react in real time to a fight or flight environment. Wow, wow. So what age were you sexually assaulted? Uh, so it was from around five or six for, and I look, I can't even really remember, but quite a few years, I think until I was close to high school. That's, that's firstly heartbreaking. Very, I can say, I I can, the dots connect and it makes complete sense. Yeah. Right. And what's amazing though, and I'd just love to point out, I've heard many stories. It's, it breaks my heart when I hear this. Kids being sexually abused, sexually assaulted, raped, whatever. And it destroys their lives. It strips away all the innocence. And they, they I hate to say the word, but they crumble. Mm. They do. And and it's 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 such a... There's not, nothing worse you could do to do to a kid or to anyone for that matter. Why did you stay so strong and persist? How? It's really, yeah. When I was, when it was starting to, you know, drop into my awareness, I remember doing a bit of journaling and a bit of writing about it. And I always thought, you know, I just getting my thoughts out and write. And I remember writing about it. And midway through a sentence about him, I remember all of a sudden I was writing, actually, maybe I should thank him because I wouldn't be the strong, resilient, tenacious. And I realised that, that like I wouldn't trade those traits for the world. I wouldn't give it back. I dissociated from the pain of it, and which is problematic in adult years because then you have to go back and do the work to fix your bloody system. (laughs) But um, 
I, I just think that there were there were so many strengths that came out of it that I that I love that I love about me and when I went back into the boxing ring in 2019 or when I stopped boxing for a while and I was going to therapy I remember thinking to myself when I'd put these dots together I was like okay you love boxing right but some of the big strengths in the boxing ring are a result of this emotional disconnection and emotional disconnection is what's causing you pain in life like it was always relationship driven you're not connecting with your family your friends properly yourself properly like you're not going to be able to create meaningful relationships with anybody if you have this trait but if you remove this trait who is tiffany cook in a boxing ring and so that's oh, priceless yeah so when yeah I right went, Mate, when I went back in 2019, I was kind of, that was the question sitting at the forefront of my mind is like, this is go time. Like, who's she going to be? When so, and how old are you thinking this? Well, at this, I mean, I was 30 when, I was 29 when I had my first fight. So I was yeah, early yeah. 30s and then I got back into the ring. What was that? Two years ago, two and a bit years ago. So I was 36, mid 30s. You've been carrying this with you for 25 years. 29. <laughs> 20, 20, I apologize, 29 years. And in a moment, you decided, I can forgive him. Mm. Mm. And you want to forgive him. Mm. I think that the hardest thing is forgiving yourself. And so I think that my struggles to this day, as I still work through it, my struggles are completely separate to him. They're all about me. It's the secret keeping. It's the feeling shame. It's it's all of the stuff that, right? Because you have to get to know yourself again. Once you keep a secret and once you are disconnected and once you, then you, as a child, as a child, I built an acceptable personality for the world. I built something that could be put on show and I hid the rest. And I mean, you can't intellectualize that as a child, but then all of a sudden you're an adult and you don't know yourself and you and the people closest to you don't know you and you think that that's normal. Like I thought that the way that I, inter I thought the people knew more about what was inside my head, despite the fact that I have a poker face, which was a great boxing trait, this poker face, but, I, but that poker face was being worn in my life in front of everybody. Yeah. So what happens when you emotionally crash? Like I remember times where I'm, I'm on my, on my knees in the lounge room floor, feeling an emotional breakdown because I'm overwhelmed with life and I'm, and something's getting the better of me. And it's only in those moments where I would feel so alone. And I felt like I don't have an emotional bank account that I've been putting into with anybody to phone them right now and say, I'm not doing too well, right? Because the, the Tiffany that everyone saw for all those years was Tiffany that was kicking ass. Tiff Am I allowed to say that on here? Kicking yeah, ass. of course. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany that was, you know, like strong and independent and all good, you know? So I was pushing people away on the outside thinking that people knew what was inside my head when really that pushing away was just me working so hard to be worthy and fix mm. and be something that that was acceptable to the world yeah so yeah it's did you feel that you weren't acceptable beforehand i i think so i think that i think that i didn't realize i moved to melbourne i grew up in tassie and i moved yeah. to melbourne when i was 20 and was always so driven to be different and be successful and show people that I'm this whole thing about being different and being unique and being special. I remember just being, that was prevalent. Like when I was 17, I got a motorbike and I would cruise around on my motorbike in Tassie and I had short hair, I diet pink. And it was, I was such a shy person back then that yeah. looking back now, I'm like, you, I was trying to make a statement that I was, that I wasn't strong enough to say, I was trying to say that, I'm different and worthy of something. Look, I'm different. Look, see me, see me, I'm right here. But I couldn't speak it with my words. 
Yeah. So it was just, you know, this, this outer persona that I would build, you know, and then you kind of, you're wearing a mask and you're putting a mask on every time you interact with people. And that is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it definitely is. Being, being inauthentic, who you really aren't, that's a, uh, that's a job in itself. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've got to manage yourself. Now this other persona as well yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. you, that you're carrying. Have you shared this story with many people? I talked about it a lot on my show now, but that the first time I spoke about it, it feels like a lot longer, but I think it was only around December uh, last year I was on a show and I'd made reference, again, elusively, I'd made reference to kind of childhood and, and something along the lines of, you know, the stuff that we're scared of and getting to know and and Craig, who was running the podcast, wheeled back and said, hang on, well, like, what is the stuff? And he, it was, it felt like the longest question ever. And I, I remember that, like, the goosebumps over my body and I was like, oh, he's asking me what I'm referring to. And he, but he, he asked a very long, you know, it felt like a long question, which was great because my mind was just going, oh, my goodness, you're going to say this for the first time in a public forum. And what came up? Oh, like it was amazing. He was amazing, and well, for you, for you emotionally, in that moment, that that's confronting. Yeah, and like, like I know what it's like to to share personal stuff in, in a public forum for the first time, and what like like and like how that feel for you? It felt. I still to this day can get a delay, so it felt intense but good. And then there was, what was interesting, that very first one was the next day or so, I thought that I'd been open about it. I thought that in my mind I'd created this thing that I'd kind of talked because I'd I'd been seeing, I'd seen therapists, I'd told my my Mm. family. And I was like, oh, I feel like someone's just taken a weight off my shoulders. I didn't even know that was there. Wow. Yeah. And like that was without even really talking about anything. And, but it's been amazing. What's been funny about the podcast is from the get go, people responded to my authenticity and my vulnerability. So I was having people open up to me in very vulnerable ways. And because I was opening up to them and I loved it because it was something that I could never do. I was, I remember the first few months saying to people, I'm having conversations that I would never ask people in real life. I'm, I have, do you know how beautiful it is to connect with someone and say, share, share some of yourself with me and hold a space. And I share some of myself with them and that in itself has been really therapeutic because that was the thing I never had the ability to do. Mm. But I think I wanted to hide myself or I was so used to the mechanism of hiding myself so much that I would never ask personal questions about people, which was really interesting. I remember my housemate and best mate, one day I came back years ago, I'd gone on a date and I got home after dinner and she said, How was, tell me all about him. So I'm, she's like, what's his last name? I go, I don't know. What does he do for work? I go, I don't know. She asked about five questions and my answer was, I don't know. And she's like, uh, what do you talk about? And I'm like, ah, well, I just don't ask about them because I don't want to feel like I'm digging around in their life. And I think that, that was a protective mm. mechanism because it was me not wanting them to dig around in my life because there was all that shame and junk hidden away. Mm. I didn't realise it. Like, I didn't realise it. Of course, of course. It's so easy to, in a way, like, fall into our own illusion. Oh. <laughs> I was fooled. I had fooled myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, and like, that. that's, I mean, wow, wow. That, that's a massive experience. So in, in these experiences, though, what, is, what has this shown you? But not just about yourself, but about others. That everybody wants to open up and that everybody 
wants to know that what they're holding inside, they're not alone. The amount mm -hmm. of, so I've done three quite vulnerable podcasts on my show. And the first one, I normally get a show published within two to three days. It took me a month, it took me two weeks to open this one to edit it. And it took me another two weeks to put it up, but it got the biggest response. And it was a, it was a psychologist, Dr. Bill Saunders, who had written a book on mental health. And as I openly do, I willed myself out onto the, onto the table with it all. And we had a really open and, you know, he's as subtle as a sledgehammer with his conversation in it, but it was kind of liberating because it was terrifying to put that out there, but the feedback and the thanks and the, and the emails that came in from people were just validating. And there's so many, there's so many people out there that are holding on to something. And it, and it also, I think what I like to highlight from it is when you look at someone and they have a strength, that strength has a flip side. When someone has success, that success has a slip, flip side. And I like to use the analogy that it's as big on the shitty side as it is on the great side. Mm. Like you want you want that car, that money, that house, that, that person or that life that person's got, go and ask them what the hardest thing they've ever had to get through is. Because I haven't mm. met anyone that's done anything great that hasn't been through something really tough. It's almost like a barbell, right? It's like there needs to be equal weight on both sides, yes, positive yes. and negative. Otherwise, you ain't lifting that bar. It's not going to work. <laughs> and <laughs> the life can't function. It has to be a balance, right? Yes. And wow, wow, wow. And so with, and so with, with that, <laughs> which is huge in itself, right? I mean, to realize about you, but then that others, what did that then do for the way you connect with people? Because you've you've released this massive weight, like this massive brick, like massive bag of bricks on your back that you didn't know you were carrying this entire time. Yeah. What did that? What did that then result in? How do you, how do you now connect with people? I think that I'm. I think I'm still working. You know, I think it's a continuum. Yeah. But I'm really aware now. So rather than. Like, I don't react the way I used to react. I pause and I observe. And when I observe things, I think about what what is driving what is driving this reaction. And rather than owning it and feeling stuck, you know, so my ability to, like, I've got one good friend that I spend a bit of time training with and cycling. And he said just the other day, he goes, I've never, ever, known anyone to be as vulnerable and open on a podcast on it like as speaking about stuff you do he goes but when you're in person i get you one-on-one -on -one and you like a vault and i'm and i know that about me so the thing is now i get to communicate to people hey sometimes this goes on with me Mm. Hey, I'm really aware of this. So when I'm assessing situations in relationships where I feel triggered by something or I feel, you know, obviously there's a, there's a safety kind of trust mechanism that is a little bit faulty. And so mm. sometimes I'll be, I'll have an, this emotional reaction and I'll, I'll think, well, I logically know that that, that, that that person doesn't mean anything or they're a good person or whatever it is. And then I just have to unpack well, what is it about the environment or the experience or the situation that's making me feel like this and just kind of unpack it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if I, it, it makes me like hearing you speak and share, it makes me look at myself and like my experience. I remember the first time I opened up, not just about like my attempted suicide, but also everything behind that and that came before that yeah. in a public forum. I mean, I was looking for connection for so long. That's really what I was after, the crux of it all. That's, what, that's really what it was. Though I was now sharing my story. And it's like, and so people were saying, oh, mate, you're so brave for sharing, so brave and, like, and all this stuff. And it's like, I'm sharing what's happened. Then in those moments, especially initially when I was, you know, struggling mentally and like things were going a bit rough, 
it's like my past is irrelevant right now. Right now, I've got something going on, but I struggled to bring that up for so long, right? And it was that there was a massive weight off my off, off my chest. Just, just I felt a lot lighter after I'd started sharing initially, but then it's like I'm struggling to open up when I am struggling. Yes, yes. I totally right. get that. And I and I feel like when we speak to people that like yourself, I think that the danger is that from the outside, it, we all throw this hero label on you. Look at this guy. Look what he's been through. Look what he does. He's amazing. And sometimes there are moments where I'm sure you don't feel amazing and you want mm. people to know that, hey, just because I got through this, doesn't mean that I can't just wake up and have a bad day about the small stuff and, you know, sometimes I need a hug. <laughs> exactly right. If you go back to the barbell, right, for, I mean, for anyone that's experiencing that amount of good, we need to recognise the other side and vice versa, yes. vice versa. Yeah, I mean, oh, man, there's a lot there in that. I'm, I, I've am got to say I'm very blessed that I've, I've done the work and, and you know, I, I am a, a lot more comfortable with addressing things as they are in the moment. And yeah. it, can, it can be can be hard though. Though with you, Tiff, how do you not only go about addressing the challenges that come up in your life to this day, how do you go and overcome them? How do you continue to roll with the punches? Just What's your- doing the work, doing the work and one of the greatest things that came out of boxing was that idea around discomfort. You have to always step out of your comfort zone because that's where great stuff happens. Mm. And the realization that that is not a one-time thing. And an example of that was when I hadn't fought for a few years, I remember taking a bunch of my personal training clients. We all went and went indoor rock climbing. And I stood at the bottom as they were giving us the instructions and the safety, whatever. And I looked up the wall and I was engulfed by this feeling and I went, what is that? Is it fear? I get like, I got punched in the face in front of thousands of people. I, I'm good with fear. What is this? Like, and so there was this fear of the unknown of, of rock climbing. Like I'm two meters up on a wall. There's a rope on me. I, I can imagine and with fair confidence what it would feel like if I let go of the wall and I would just hang there. Yet there was this fear gripping me and I went, oh. This is a continuum. This doesn't just, this isn't just go get punched in the face once and then you've pushed your fear threshold up and it stays there. Like it is, you have to always step out, but what's on the other side of that is so great. Mm, yeah, just stepping into it. Mm. Is Okay, okay. And I'd love to, to know now, what keeps you going? What's the purpose, the why behind it all? I think I really, what I love most is knowing, and this came even just before all of the big stuff for me, this came from the smallest thing of me stepping in the boxing ring, that quiet, shy girl that, you know, in at PCYC, I was just hoping silently that someone had tapped me on the shoulder and say, hey, you should try boxing. Because I never had the confidence to say it. I, I think of that person and then... She gets in the ring and she wins her first fight and then she wins the next one, you know, and then when she does the uh, amateurs, I got seeded through to the finals. So my first amateur fight was the finals, the, the Victorian titles, and I won it and I was like, okay, if I can do this, and I'm not a talented boxer and I knew who I was before finding boxing, I, anyone can do anything. We can learn anything. And seeing unlocking that in women through boxing just that physical i know that like the physical work is the key to the mental stuff if you can show someone anything in the physical realm you've just proven what's what's possible outside of that absolutely and we so and we get so caught up and this is how i view things right we're in a 3d universe 3d worlds we can see things and for example, right, like when it comes to the gym, like most people get in, involved or they get started because they want to lose weight, they want to get bigger muscles or whatnot. Though a lot of people that there consistently, you ask them, some of these guys that I've, I've met, they tell me, Matt, it's not about the muscles anymore. Yeah. It's about the mindset. Yeah. It's about being mentally stronger. And 
we, we look down as a society on like, you know, whether it be a muscular physique, whether it be someone who's like, you know, lost all this weight and like they've transformed. Like when I say we look down on them or, you know, look at them to sort of fool themselves or whatever. It's like, no, it's not about that. Mm. Uh, I'd love to get your take on that because, ah, like uh, that honestly gets me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I think we, you know, I've always been a believer in, we see, we see in others what we will notice in others, what is in us. Mm. So if we look at others and, uh, and we're triggered by something there's something there's a reflection there worth looking into yeah and i i mean i went through a stage of being you know like it was all like i had a rippling six pack and it was all about the six pack and the abs and it was like yeah it was just like the pink hair like look at me look at me and it's like that's not the case so when i see people with strong images now I quite, I don't, I don't judge, but I question, I wonder what's, what drives that. I wonder what the meaning is for them. I wonder mm. if it's the same meaning that it was for me, which was, I mean, I, I wanted to stand out and be, put a persona out there, but that wasn't the case. It won't be the same for everybody. Mm. Of course. I mean, I, I recently met a girl that is looking for someone to help a boxing workshop for female survivors of sexual abuse. And she's, just done a documentary on it nearby and I had her on the show and when we first met I was referred to her by the gym I work at we went for a coffee and we had a chat and it was like meeting another version of me this like I used to have really short blonde hair and she's got really short blonde hair so you got these two chicks we're similar in age we've had this childhood experience same but different and then we found the boxing ring same but different and I remember telling her my experience in the ring and the things that resonated. And she was like, wow. Then I remember reading her book and reading parts of her experience. And I was, and I've got goosebumps right now. Cause I was like, wow, the meaning inside the big boxing ring was completely different for you. For me, it was empowering and there were connections and there were things that made sense for her. It was very disempowering. So you take the same experience, you give it to someone that, seems very similar it's not the same and i oh. love that like just like the more i know the less i know that's one of the biggest things that's come out of this whole last two years is that i used to look for certainty i used to <laughs> i sat in front of my first therapist like this all right michael i've got i'm here this happened to me when i was a kid and i think that this this and this are happening relationships are challenging go you know and four sessions in he goes tiff normally by session number four i've got a real sense of who someone is and what they need from me and i'm like yeah and he goes i don't get that from you and i was like well mm. you're the expert like if you don't know what's wrong with me i don't know like you're, you're the expert like i used to think that that there was an answer and everybody knew it but i just was the one that didn't know it so i had to go find someone that knew my answer like now I think of that and I go, well, if you're not going to speak and you're going to sit there with your mask on and not emotionally engage and barely say a word, because I kind of would be in that, I guess the not speaking out, it was a freeze response. It was just the shutdown of emotions and I'd sit there and I'd kind of disappear as to what needs to be said in this moment to fix this thing. I was like, all right, well, you're the therapist. <laughs> fix it. <laughs> and now it's like i don't know what the answer is because it's different for everybody and where do the answers come from that they come from humans that have figured out an answer mm. maybe for them and maybe for some people and then they prove it and then we all run around going oh that's the answer it must work for me it doesn't work for me <laughs> maybe our answers beneath our words perhaps behind our truth yeah yeah right yeah <laughs> And, and, and that's a, such a painful thing to step into because now we're visiting, you know, stuff from our childhood, stuff from our past, stuff that maybe we've swept and kept under the rug for so long. But how long can you sweep shit under a rug before it rots? Yeah. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. Wow, wow. And um, once you open that box, 
it doesn't fit back in. Once you pull all the socks out of the drawer, the socks don't just fit back in. You've got to sort them out and pair them up and find where they go. Like, I remember a point where I just thought, mate, ignorance was bliss. Like I, Before I knew this, I thought I was this, and this was awesome. <laughs> like I had awesomified myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't go back to that because I was like, well, that's that's a crock. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody believes that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tiff, I, 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 just, I just want to share, I truly commend you, truly commend you. Not only your, your honesty, your authenticity, but it's, it's coming from such a genuine place. And not once in, like, in, this, in this conversation have you promoted yourself or wanted to, like, I don't know, pitch anything or whatever. No, it's, it's all been completely authentic. Oh, Honest, you. And, you, and the thing is, we need more people like that. And honestly, I see you as a true leader. Honestly, instead of seeing people with, you know, all these titles and the things next to their names to, you know, give them this image to the to the world that they're this, they're that. Mm. No, what you are is you. And I just want to say thank you. Oh, Truly. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that, the side of you. For anyone listening, how can I get in contact with you? I've got a website at www.rollwiththepunches.com.au. You can find my podcast there. You can find any of the things I do. I do some online workshops and I do, if you're in Melbourne, I do a four-week boxing workshop, which I love. And, yeah, hit me up. Reach out. Thank you, Tiff. Seriously, seriously, please. Um, I mean, anyone watching, get in touch with Tiff. Check out her stuff. Honestly, I am in awe. (laughs) <laughs> this is the first time we've met. So, Tiffany, thank you very much. I'm very thank grateful. You, Matt. Truly. I'll hear your story next. <laughs> we'll continue the conversation, definitely. For everyone listening, please check out alive905.com.au to, to see this recorded podcast. And we, I just want to say thank you again for listening to Business Insights with Mario and Matt. Hope you all have a wonderful day.